Welcome to another episode of Through the Lens of Christ. I am here with Steve Douster. How are you doing, Steve? Good, Adam. How are you? Good. 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 I'm Adam Baker, and uh, we have Ashley Vorwerk with us producing um, this conversation. So we are... Uh, we we come together to be able to uh, talk through sometimes difficult conversations, sometimes things that we don't fully understand, sometimes things that we have perspective on, but we're trying to wrestle through it together as believers and brothers in Christ. Um, how do we understand better what's happening? How do we make sure we're aligning that back through Scripture so that we can see everything through the lens of Christ as having uh, a purpose in our lives and that we don't see one of the worst things we can do, especially in this current time of what is seemingly chaos and confusion, is allow that to even reign how we think about things. And we must be um, orderly in our thoughts and in how we process information so as not to be consumed by the chaos. And I think these conversations actually help us to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this uh, conversation, we just had an episode around uh, difficult conversations and how do we be um, uh, making sure we're being humble with each other? How do we make sure we're being measured? Um, how do we make sure we're having good communication with each other? And now we're going to move into a, a difficult conversation um, on critical race theory. So we're going to put these these practices to use right now. Is that the plan? I mean, there's there's nothing like saying, well, we just learned about it. Let's jump into it. There you go. Um, so for some of you, critical race theory may not mean anything. Um, hopefully by the end of this, we will have established more of what that means and, and um, our perspective on it and why we should be, at, um, at the very least, uh, leery of it. Um, so this idea of uh, critical race theory and um, what it means and what it, where it looks like it could be going in culture. I want to give just a little bit of a brief background. I know um, I'll say if... If I know 30% about critical race theory, I think Steve probably doubles that. So he's, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say he's, he's more well-read. Even if he's not, it at least puts him on the hook um, yeah. for anything that we say. Fantastic. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the idea behind uh, critical race theory, first of all, it was it's about 20 years old. I think it was um, uh, almost in the nine. No, it's almost 30 years old. I think it was in the late 80s, early 90s when this started to come out. Um, actually, the first time it was actually discussed was actually in Madison. Is that um, right? I didn't yeah, know. That. Look yeah. at that. You know more than I do. <laughs> I know there. one tidbit more than you. Yeah, at least. Uh, um, it, it, and it actually came from, um, I won't say denominationally where, but it came from a, a, not a sermon, but a speaker at a church. Hmm. Um, and so uh, establishing this idea of critical race theory. And um, in, in my summation, and, and jump in, um, where you've got other thoughts. But in, in my summation, basically what it's saying is that, and there's five tenets, which I won't necessarily go through, but um, the idea is that racism just exists. It just is. That it's naturally within all of us that um, we there, there's no such thing as neutral or colorblind or um, that I that I that I don't I just see people I don't see color those are all if anything helping um, racism to exist the idea that it exists in and through everything there's a concept of of intersectionality which is this idea that all of all of everything eventually runs back into this idea of racism and that um, the majority is holding down the minority and something's got to be done. 
And so we, there's a um, idea of the idea of, of storytelling within culture, meaning that a culture tells a specific story, but then there has to be a counter story um, that balances that back out. But we don't ever actually see the counter story. We only see the story that we're being sold, which in specifically in the United States is one of um, oppressing people who are not of the majority. And so that would be my framework for critical race theory. Add anything? No, yeah, I mean, mean, people. I'll be honest. People talk about this and think about this for hours, and it takes a long time. I don't. I don't know if I had an outline in front of me. I think it would help me to to put something out there that that can summarize it well. It's probably a pretty decent summary of at least the elements of critical race theory for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, it's you know, it's 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 criticizing the current social climate, the current culture, and the current view of race, and it's it's criticizing everything. And, and it's and it's a theory of race that kind of brings everything back to the structure. So it's not it's it's interpersonal certainly, but it's also a structural concept. So so yes, it's interpersonal in that um, the intersectionality that you mentioned is each one of us is made up of different elements. I mean, some of us uh, might be oppressed in different ways because of our heritage or background or or socioeconomic background, whatever it might be. Uh, we could be a male or a female if you count males or females today, or, or we may be, you know, a certain ethnic background or whatever might, that might be. And those things um, add to um, oppression um, or add to a disadvantage or an advantage in our society. So all of those things kind of compile together to, to show that some people have power over others and some people uh, lack power over others and they're oppressed. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't know. There's, it's hard to summarize it, even in, even in a 20 minute podcast. But I'll just say, I'll say this for sure: it's it's a the currency of this is often power. Mm-hmm. Um, it's often power. Who has the power? Who uses the power? And how is the power used? And who's deficient of the power? And how are they not able to gain more power? And so, so critical race theory plays in power structures for sure. And like you mentioned, the structures that exist today um, are are oppressive. And, and, and I, I think even even as a believer or even just as me, I would say, well, yes, they are. Um, this, this point in time, certain people have less advantage and certain people have more advantage. And that's no different in any other point in time. And the question is, what do we do about it and how do you fix it? And, and, and how, are we, how are we thinking about it as a Christian? And those are, those are important things, I think, to, to work through. Yeah, because I, I think the— um, if, Tell me if you agree or disagree here, sure. but I think as, as you kind of study uh, critical race theory and understand the the framework of it, which we roughly outlined, very rough, I, but yeah, right. I I actually agree with many of the points of view that there is there's it would be really hard for me to argue that there isn't some level of bias in all of us based on how we were raised or, or any matter of things and it doesn't need to be towards race it can be towards as you said socioeconomic status it can be towards many things mm-hmm. so i don't i don't i don't disagree with the fact that we all have um uh, implicit biases and that we all have certain thoughts that we may not even be aware of um, so I, I actually at, uh, at work, they, for diversity and inclusion, you can take a bunch of these different implicit bias tests. And so they'll ask you a bunch of questions that you have to answer as quickly as possible. And they'll, they'll ask them in different ways. And I, I took one on, um, weight, right? How do you see people of different weights? Mm-hmm. And, um, like, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm not like the smallest guy around. So I, how can I have any biases towards anything, right? So as I'm as I'm taking this thing, because they'll they'll put like words together and how you define people, and then it'll say like, um, 
you know, uh, heavy, heavy people are evil and thin people are good, right? Not that you think that, but they'll say um, which one's kind of true, right? Sure. And, and then it'll time, like, how long it took you to answer that versus how long it took you to say heavy people are good and thin people are evil, right? And it'll time those things and then say, hey, you have an implicit bias towards something. And I actually, I, I'm very compelled by these things. Like, I find them to be very interesting because I do think there's some truth to it, right? Mm-hmm. That we do find that we are, we have implicit bias. My problem is not in, in agreeing with some of the tenets of this. I wouldn't say I agree with the whole idea, but with some of the tenets of it, my issue is action from it. Sure. Where are we going with this? And that's where I think my concern is not in identifying the problem. I'm comfortable with that. My concern is in what do we what have we identified as the solution to the problem? And I think that's where that's where I'm most concerned. And that's where, as I said, if critical race theory has been around in in true form for 30 years, in the last five, and and more specifically in the last two and then we're going to see it accelerate i believe over the next four <laughs> you're taking politically <laughs> right right um we're we're going to see some changes that i believe we're trying to solve a problem differently than i think scripture would teach right and so and so i mean me i'm jumping ahead too early in this pot in this episode but but thinking about where this where this actually goes the, the problem you're right we're, we're all a, a matrix of all of these biases mm-hmm. we just are and and so and so what 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 critical in, in my mind, one of the difficulties with critical race theory is it uses all of those divisions of who I am and you know, I'm I'm pro or con this type of person, this type of environment, uh, this type of view or look on me or this type of person. Um, and, and we have all these pros and cons. And so and so what what is the problem there? We all have we all have these problems. Critical race theory tends to um, disintegrate our cultural structures and group us into multiple small groups. I'm I'm this type of, I have this type of bias along with these other people. I have this type of pro, this type of con along with these other people. And so it it doesn't bring us together. It actually separates us, which is which is what sin does. And and this is this is the root problem. Is it's a sin problem, and that's that's what's not getting mentioned. It's yeah. it's it's simply a human nature problem. And we're going to educate you out of this, or we're going to punish you out of this, and we're going to oppress you in a different way so that you come into conformity and alignment with whatever the social norm is as some group of people sees it, rather than going back to Scripture and understanding all of this is sin, and I mean all of it. And, and we're, the, the common ground that we have is we're made in the image of God, for crying out loud. So, so, so every single person is made in the image of God. We're to be Jesus followers and Jesus worshipers, and none of this critical race theory that I've said, not, none, none's a strong word, almost none, that it's not the focus. It's on mm-hmm. power at the moment, who has power and how we can take the power away from some and give it to others in a social setting, in a temporal sense, and, and not much talk about power in terms of a eternal sense. And that's a problem. Yeah, you're right. And and this idea that it's creating more division, that the, the argument underneath it all is that how do we have unity and equality and how do we build that out? And that sounds really good. It does. And it, there's right. a lot of merit to that. Yes. But the way in which we're doing it is by creating all these divisions, all this idea of intersectionality and how do we divide all of these pieces out 
and then I think one of the reasons that it's it's outside of all the explosion of, of a bunch of conversations that are happening in our current culture, but I think this idea of identity, which we've talked about before, we're basically kind of telling people how they should identify. Yeah. And that now that I've told you how you should identify and you fit into this bubble, that's now who you are. And and now I'm going to tell you why that is wrong or right or why you should be benefited or detracted from like and, and so we're talking again about this idea of identity and it goes back to what we've talked about before and what you were just talking about is that identity without being rooted in christ is no identity at all it's Correct. it's a it's a sin problem our i our our identity must be first in christ and it, paul talks about it right that there now is no male or female no jew or greek that there there is there it, it's all been gone we're not slave or free we're just believers in christ image bearers of god that's just who we are and and we we're losing that and we're trying to create identity and we're trying to spin all these things and we're trying to say well now we got to favor this group because they're in some way diminished so we got to bring that back I want to favor that group who is diminished, who probably is diminished. Sure. I want to favor that group through Christ. Absolutely. Yeah, by, by allowing God's grace to flow through us to them. And that's how that's how we, we, we become um, equal, if you want to call that, in terms of um, even earthly earthly value. So so what I what I see is um, this this non-Christian view of things, they're trying to flatten everything out, and, and not only flatten it so we can identify with a certain group or whatever, but we can also move seamlessly and, and frictionlessly through all these other groups. We can identify in so many different ways with everyone, and it's all in a temporal, earthly, secular sense. Rather, you know, they, it's, they can paint the picture which, which is so compelling. It's a matrix of all these different people with different features and functionality, which is exactly, it's a satanic twist on yep. in Christ we are yep. to be that way. Yep. We build up and make up the body of Christ with our uniqueness and our different traits and our different attributes and our different backgrounds and our different sufferings and our different advantages that we, we, we allow to work for the good of others. All that in Christ, without Christ as the glue that holds everything together, I think this, this this critical race theory is trying to hold it together with the glue of of temporal equality and power, and that's that is a that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, because it, there's no way that we can get to this perfect idea of equilibrium across everything, which no. means that somebody's always going to be whether in actuality or perceived to have the power. Right, which means that we're always going to feel oppressed in some way by somebody, by one of these groups, and there's always going to be dynamics that are creating more division. No matter how much we want the unity, there's always going to be a perception of division. And so we're never going to resolve the problem, but we're we're being sold that we're this uh, beautiful tapestry. And so how do we get everybody to be equal and how do we... It's not the answer. And again, that doesn't mean that equality is not good. It does not mean that we don't desire for there to be equality. It means that we desire for, as you said, equality to be in Christ. It goes back to this idea that that Satan's desire is to be an, an amazing parody of Christ. And that right. he is, is saying, oh, equality's in Scripture. He says that equality's good. I'm going to take this idea of equality, which to me is part of this, this concept of common grace, that we know that equality inherently is good. Right. So we know that people are going to be aligned to that. Now, how do we get it done? Not in Christ. We've got to work over here and work really hard to make everybody think that all these differences and and we've got to call those out and then try to pretend that people are going to be brought together. 
we're just heading down the wrong path. Right. So 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 that one way to think of it is, you know, I was mentioning this power structure thing. Think of it instead of using the word power, think of it as oppression. So so what we're really trying to do is we're trying to equalize the oppression everywhere. So so we have a group of people that's oppressed right now and another group that, you know, economically, socially is not oppressed. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to oppress those that aren't the oppressed right now in order to relieve the oppression on the others because we want an equilibrium of oppression. That's right. That is not that is that is an awful so so we're all equally oppressed. Congratulations. Right? No, no, no. We we if if we get Christ, we get 100% freedom in Christ. It's a move toward freedom and away from oppression and it's a move to Jesus Christ where we are all equal and we're all equally valued with our very different traits and our different circumstances um and and we're in Christ. Yes. So the Christ has to be the currency, not power oppression, which I, I'm kind of equating here, but just for an example. No, you, you made a great point. And I, I think that is the that is the underlying goal is is to to maximize the equality of oppression. And so we've, we've got to figure now. OK, so we say practically. Go ahead. You had something. Well, I was going to say yeah. maximize the equality of oppression as defined by the people in power. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> who, who, who are yes. The, who are the master uh, of the whole the, of the whole right. scheme, and yes. that pe- that group of people in power never stays the same. Right. It's constantly shifting and moving, so you can never, ever, ever get to that equality situation, the equal oppression situation. There will always be trauma all throughout this this whole project because it will it will never ever go away. Yeah, I mean we're constantly going to be having the the. Because right now, in order to equalize everything, we've got to overly benefit somebody. Right. We've got to take this group and we've got to overly benefit. And so it happened uh, however long ago, 20, 30 years ago, with affirmative action, right? This mm-hmm. this idea that we now have to overly benefit somebody. And eventually, that over being overly beneficial to a group creates an imbalance of oppression. And so then you have to go back the other way and you constantly are trying to tip that balance when, when that's equality is our goal. We're trying to achieve it through the wrong means. Right. And so now that becomes from a practical perspective, what should we be doing about that as believers? Yeah, so I'm glad that was, that's right where I wanted to go. You brought it right back home. Here, the, the problem with all of this is the church has failed. Yes. And, and we have failed as, as a Christian people, as I say, not yeah. a Christian nationalist people as a yeah. group of christian people uh, we we failed to love our brothers so so we've le- we failed to love our brothers and our sisters well we've we've caught we gotten caught up in the culture we've gotten caught up in in selfishness and in not loving others and we use what we have our resources um in sinful ways we don't use them to glorify god we're, we're not loving people the way jesus loved other people um mostly in my mind because there's a lot of people that think they're believers that really aren't believers and a lot of Christians that are not very sanctified because they're not uh, because they're not being sanctified by the word by by the spiritual disciplines these these things aren't happening so I, I do bring it back to the church and even to my own personal self and we need to repent as a, as a group as a church as believers um, of these places where we have not engaged our culture and individuals well and we've looked just like the world we've been just as selfish and we've been just as controlling and just as oppressive as the as our neighbors who are not don't even know Christ and maybe never heard his name. 
Yeah, and and I even look at this conversation on critical race theory because one thing is as this continues to kind of to swell up and become uh, more of a mainstream conversation, especially in the next four years, right? I my concern is that the church is going to respond to this by pushing back on critical race theory, right? They're going to push back by going, you know, this this is wrong, and we're not going to stand for this, and you're trying to oppress us, and like that to me, that would be the wrong answer. We should be responding against this. By saying Christ is the answer, not critical race theory. And so how do we effectively take back the things you're talking about? How do we effectively teach people about who Christ is? How do we effectively get back to doctrinal truths of what Scripture teaches? How do we, how do we teach our kids well? How do we, how do we in our homes, teach well? How, like all of those pieces to me are the answer because that's where we're, we're, Paul tells us that, that um, when we're together as a body of believers, true believers, that we're called to come together and use all of our gifts so that we can be raised up to be the holy temple of God. And if we desire for equality to happen, it's going to happen through the holy temple of God, which is us as a body of believers. And if we're so focused on, I need to, I need to destroy the argument of critical race theory or whatever else the, the thing of the day is, we're distracted. And to me, the enemy is going to be just as happy with us being distracted as he is with us embracing his parody. And we have to fight against that, that makes sure that we're being loving, we're being truthful, we're being focused on Christ and our desires to bring other people into a saving knowledge of who he is. I think that's all very true, but I think it goes both ways as well. So what we're going to have is churches are going to repudiate critical race theory and say, no, 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 it doesn't, it, almost like it doesn't exist. You know, races, racism is so much better today than it was 30 years ago. This is not needed. All that's untrue. Other churches are going to go, this is a, this is a fix. We need to embrace critical race theory, right? And we need to, to absorb its tenets. So we're going to invite people in to come speak on it and help us understand how this how the structures of today are oppressing people. And 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 that's not completely true either. So so what you said is exactly right. We have to go back to Christ, understanding that all people are equal um, in God's eyes. Jesus was not a white man. Right. <laughs> I mean, right? right. I mean, he I, wasn't. I don't care how many pictures we've seen. <laughs> exactly. They're not actually pictures, and they're not accurate. <laughs> right. The, the camera wasn't invented for a few years after <laughs> right. Jesus wasn't here. Yeah. So, so, so right, and, and so we're, we're, we're all in this mix of the human race in different ways and different shapes, and, and we have to go back to Scripture and not just being intellectually understanding of Scripture. It's got to be saturated into our hearts so that we love other people, so that we can have actual conversations I mean, like we've talked before, understanding where people are and where they're coming from as individuals by asking them questions rather than trying to force feed something on them, whether it's the critical race theorist talking about how I'm a, fr- a fragile old Christian white man or, or whatever it might be. This is not the, this is not the way to conversion. This is the way to increase depression, and it's the way to uh, reverse racism that's still racism. Right. We need conversion in our hearts and our souls um, by the grace of God so that we can love other people. And we need to repent of our sins um, individually and corporately because we are guilty um, and only Christ is able to forgive us. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it would be it would be very wrong of us to say that we don't play a part in racism or any of the other modes of oppression. We play parts in all kinds of oppression. Sure. So. Again, for us to not identify that would be wrong, right? We've got to acknowledge that. We also need to acknowledge that the idea of of equalizing oppression 
is not what we've been called to do either. Correct. Um, in, in fact, Paul said it himself, I think it was in 2 Corinthians, where he basically said, in whatever state you've been saved, be in that state, right? And he was talking about the, the mode of, of slavery, the idea of, um, it might actually be in First Peter. Anyway, they, what he's basically talking about is that Christ saved, God saved us through Christ wherever we are for the purpose of where we're at. And that does not mean that he endorses oppression, and it doesn't mean that he endorses inequality. It merely means that he sees equality in Christ, yeah. and that once we're in Christ, the rest of the noise disappears. And it doesn't mean there's not reality and consequences and pain and all those other things, but they become temporary. And what is permanent is our equality in Christ. And our desire should be going, now how do I bring that to other people? So all the oppression that people feel, how do I teach them that the answer is found not in picketing because we have problems, but in actually understanding who Christ is and finding other other God-fearing, Christ-centered, Spirit-led people um, who who believe in the equality we find in Christ. Yeah, I think that's right. Maybe maybe another way to say it is I want to live in this particular moment. God has put us here right now for this place in time, and we should be excited about that, even though there's all kinds of trouble around us. There, there is no mistake that we're here right now, every one of us. So, so living in this moment and looking toward a future of heaven and how other people can be a part of that with us um, in our witness, in our lives, in the way that we are winsome and loving in our act- actions toward others, no matter who they are, no matter what shape, size, background, doesn't make any difference, age, um, all those things. Yes. We're, we're to move toward heaven in Christ. Right. And so the the encouragement in this is that we're going to find a lot of difficult conversations. We've already found a lot of difficult conversations, not just over the last couple of years, but you go all the way back through Scripture, and there's constantly these difficult things that we're trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. If if we approach things from the perspective that the world is a fix or that we can, whether it's legislate or whether we can just culturally fix things, we're going to lose. And if we as believers or as churches get hung up in trying to absorb that teaching, we're on the wrong thing. That doesn't mean the goal is wrong. It just merely means that that the means are completely out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And so the encouragement is, as believers, try to step back on everything. We talked about it in the last episode be measured. Understand that we must be focused on Christ first. How do all of these other things find the truth in them? But how do we take all these other things, realize how we're being changed, how we're being made more Christ-like, and how the intent of that is so that we can be a light to the lost world? We can't do that without being saturated in Scripture and other believers that are also saturated with Scripture. Yes, correct. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Adam.